listening to the Taming Crazy podcast with Alicia, Deb, and Sue, where each week we'll share our views from the middle. We're talking the ups, the downs, and everything in between of being a midlife woman in today's world. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. I almost didn't press record again. Oops. Oops, that would have been a big oops. <laughs> oh, dear. Welcome to the Tammy Crazy Podcast, also known as our weekly therapy session. I'm Alicia and I'm joined by my lovely co-hosts, Deb and Sue. Hi, girls. Hello. Hi. I wondered what you were going to say then. <laughs> I, I didn't know what I was going to say either. It was a mystery to me too. So how are you both? Good. Yeah, good. I don't know where we, you know, what day it is, what week it is how long anything's been going on but yeah good we're just hanging in there like everybody else i guess yeah. yep so have you tried wearing stiff pants yet at all no or is that a thing no. of the past now no in fact it got to like four fifteen, and i went upstairs and changed into my nighttime pants <laughs> yes <laughs> that's what life has now become yes yeah yeah absolutely which is ridiculous I wonder if isolation pants will be the look that we'll all embrace now going forward. Oh, I'm going to need to buy some more pyjamas. <laughs> I know. I actually started, well, I started looking online for some, like, what do you, and I'm thinking, what do you look for? Lounging pants or yoga pants? I, well, I did look up yoga pants because I felt like that was more of an active thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But now, of course, because I looked at it once, that yes. it's now popping up every time I go online. So There's a lot of companies advertising this loungewear now, and it's quite stylish. See, it's only a matter of time before you start on your lounge bras. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was ahead of that curve. Um... Yeah, you were. You, you did go on to the lounge bras. And I must say, I am wearing a very floppy, <laughs> floppy sports bra. <laughs> Well, yeah, we won't we won't talk about that. Plus, you know, when we when we start climbing out of this crazy life we're in right now, it'll be summer. So we'll be in shorts or for some of us, maybe cut off lounge pants. I don't know. MC <laughs> Something that flows and you can move, because let's be honest. I mean, we probably won't all have summer bods by the time we're done. Or maybe Deb will. Yeah, Deb will. The majority of us will not. I'll, I'll have to shave my legs at some stage. <laughs> well, it, this is winter growth, and typically I don't. <laughs> so, like, I, I do them. Let, let's not, you know, like clearly, you know, keeping on top of these things is a struggle for me when we're not in a pandemic situation. But normally yeah, the better yeah. than they are. And it is actually just stubble as opposed to I can braid it. So I'm, I'm quite yeah. proud of myself, really. Cause the eyebrows that are worrying me <laughs> the unibrow is starting to form yes is that what you said yes, yes. Yeah. yeah okay i mean i don't have that issue oh you're so lucky no but that's just because my eyebrows are so sparse you <laughs> so i'm hoping <laughs> so you know i was hoping that sparse eyebrows would be in fashion but i haven't found it yet anyway <laughs> It's a dream. You know, it's like, is the big eyebrow thing still a thing at the moment? You know, where people are colouring them and, and shaping them and kind of God, drawing them. Is that going to continue or are people just going to go, I'm, I'm kind of done with that? 
It kind of seems to have settled down, doesn't it? Now that you mention it. I haven't seen oh, any there. Oh, no, I did, actually. But we won't talk about who it was or where it was because... <laughs> no, let's not. Let's not. So I wanted to share a couple of things that I've learned this week. Did you know that baking soda has an expiry date? Yes. It says it's on the box. Oh. Well, I didn't know this. And I have been baking <laughs> for quite a while now with baking soda that has a best before date of November 2015. <laughs> I think I might uh, have that too. I know you're dying to ask, but yes, I still went ahead and used it. Did it work? Sue, because I've been baking with it for so long, I don't know what the difference would be. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've never understood baking soda anyway, so... I feel it's time to reintroduce yourself raising flour, and then you don't have to worry about those things. Mm. See, I'm just using recipes, and it says use baking soda, so... A box can last a very long time. Yeah, but it says oh, on the dear. box, like there's a little thingy, and you write on there when you opened it, because it's only good for, like, I think three months maximum, allegedly. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. So not three decades, is <laughs> no, that what you're saying? No, but it is very oh. good for cleaning. So yes. when mine, when I think mine might be running out, I use it for cleaning. I do use it to clean my sinks. Like, it's yes, multi-purpose. Exactly. I use it for so many things. Yes. But apparently, I shouldn't be using it for baking. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, that was something I learned this Me week. Me too but, now. You know. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, oh, good. I, I don't feel so bad. How did you learn this, like, little nugget of... Well, because I grabbed the baking soda box, and it happened to have a little thing on then I'm like oh what's this and then I'm like oh it's a best before date that's how I learned it okay <sighs> and then when it said November 2015 I kind of scratched it scratched it out a little bit so that nobody could see what it was and I went ahead and used it anyway because <laughs> I have been using it nobody's died yeah there we yeah, go. I think it just doesn't fluff things up as much. So if you're expecting something to be kind of fluffy, oh, then it right. wouldn't be as, as fluffy, perhaps. But see, it's cookies. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's cookies. So probably fine. Yeah, what's the worst that can happen? So one more thing I want to share with you before we go ahead with our topic this week. And that is my new obsession. Uh -uh. And it's called Hoogelkulter. Say what now? Hugelkultur. <laughs> I think that's how you pronounce it. It sounds German, but it's a new gardening technique that I discovered while on Pinterest. Oh. And I'm obsessed. Tell us more. Well, I was looking for something. We had to chop down some trees last year. And I hate cutting down trees, so I have to make sure that they're used then for something. Mm. So I was thinking, OK, what can we do with all these logs and trees and branches? And I ended up on this website, on this Hugelkultur. Anyway, it's fascinating. Mm. It's now an obsession. So today I went on, ordered a ton of seeds, which will probably get here like in two years time because apparently everybody's ordering seeds right now. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's my new obsession. I thought I'd share that with you. I know it's not very interesting, but it's my new obsession. 
No, it is quite interesting. Yeah. I shall have to look into that. Yeah. And I'll let you know next fall how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> then you can come and do mine for mine. You can hoogle. Hoogle Coulter. Hoogle Coulter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not how you pronounce it. Just shout it. Hoogle Coulter. <laughs> So is there anything that you'd like to share? Hmm. Hmm. It's hard to come after the Hoogle culture. Yeah, I'm, I'm still mulling that over. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very big act to follow, I realise. And, and I shouldn't have left you hanging like that. <laughs> so, Sue, you wanted to talk about people pleasing this week because apparently you have an issue with it. I don't know. <laughs> that actually as I was kind of writing some notes before I was like what was it that triggered me into thinking we should talk about people pleasing I have absolutely no idea why it seemed like a good topic but anywho it it does seem to be a good topic because it's something that we seem to be able to overcome or at least manage better in midlife or at mm -hmm. least that's my personal experience and I have spoken to others similarly so I are you people pleasers or is it just me? I am definitely not a people pleaser. I even took the are you a people pleaser quiz, a quiz? and I'm definitely not. There was a quiz oh, yeah. because when you brought up this subject, I thought, I know I'm not a people pleaser, but let's see. And I'm not. But Deb definitely is a people pleaser. Yeah. You know, I think there's like an aspect of people pleasing in many of us, but you know, for some it's healthy and for some it's unhealthy. I think when you think of the word people pleasing, like there's a deeper meaning than just those words. Mm -hmm. For me, majority of my life, I was, I would say, like a un unhealthy people pleaser. Yes, um, I have no a chronic condition. Yeah. So first of all, what's the definition of a people pleaser? So it's basically somebody who is trying to to please others and to kind of by doing things yourself by keep keeping other people happy mm -hmm. you're just kind of keeping the waters very very still and there is the idea that it comes from actually being a fear of rejection and um, a fear of failure and kind mm -hmm. of kind of very deep rooted um, in, in that it can go back to those very first relationships with your parents Mm -hmm. and those around you. I did look up the 10 signs to say whether you're a people pleaser or not. I mean, I've known Deb a very long time. <laughs> and number one is you pretend to agree with everyone, even when you don't. Yes. Mm -hmm. Number two, you feel responsible for how other people feel. Yes. Mm -hmm. Number three, you apologize often, even when it's not your fault. Yes. Number four, you feel burdened by things you think you should have to do for other people. Mm -hmm. Number five, you have a lot of trouble saying no. Mm -hmm. Number six, you feel uncomfortable if someone is angry with you. Mm -hmm. Number seven, you act and behave like the people around you to fit in. Mm -hmm. Number eight, you need praise to feel good. Number nine, you do anything to avoid conflict. And number 10, you don't admit when your feelings have been hurt. And those are the 10. And I mean, you don't have to identify with all of them, but probably most of them if you're a people pleaser. Does that make sense? Mm 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm 10 for 10. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at least nine. Okay, yeah. yeah, I think I'm <laughs> definitely nine out of 10, possibly the 10. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's yeah. weird because, like, a, a lot of it, I would never ever have identified as being problematic because I, I never mm-hmm. really thought about them. And the reason I discovered I was a people pleaser, although I think I've probably known it all my life, was in a therapy session. <laughs> mm-hmm. And as we were chatting sort of through things, he said, do you do a lot of things to please people? And I'm like, well, yes. And we kind of talked about it a bit more. And I'm like, yep, you know, growing up, I was always, you know, as the eldest child, I was seen as being responsible, very sensible looked after my younger brother, looked after my sister, you know, because that's what I thought I had to do, you know, setting a good example, getting good grades, blah, blah, blah. And then he he was like, yeah, yeah, you're a people pleaser. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You've done it all your life. And it was like, yeah, yeah, I have. Deb, when did you discover you were a people pleaser? I, I think I've just known it for a long time because... You know, when I look back at, at you know, my, my life and the decisions I've made, for me, it's, I was a people pleaser. Of course, I didn't know it at that time, but very young, way back, you know, I probably, as far as I can remember, I've been a people pleaser and, and it's dictated my life decisions. You know, I've always based a decision in my life, probably on somebody else or somebody else's feelings, somebody else's decision. So... I think it's done a lot of um, havoc, you know, to my life, my path in life until, you know, the last, I don't know, maybe five years for sure. Well, probably since you hit midlife, right? Like Sue was saying. Yeah, I, I think when I hit midlife and when I was, when I became, uh, had my divorce, because those two things combined has changed. And I think I'm still a people pleaser, but now I feel I have boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so not yeah. as bad. I, I'm not, I think I've got my self-worth back and I've, my self-awareness, you know, those types of things, my independence, perimenopause. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so combined, I think, I, I still like to make people feel good or I don't like conflict, you know, that sort of thing. So that there is still that, but I do think I have better boundaries now and intentions. It, it is really strange because like I, I hate conflict. I've always hated conflict. Mm-hmm. And like I was, you know, kind of you think about things and, you know, it, it is one of those things. It's like, well, why do I do that? Why do I do that? Why? Why have I always been like this? Yeah. You know, realizing that, you know, I, I did have a good relationship with my parents, but I think maybe things were said to me. And I just took them very, very personally. And like, it could have been a very general comment about something, but I would take it as being, I need to do this. And kind of as I got older, and I think probably for me, it maybe started like when we decided to emigrate, because I knew that I was going to be hurting people. And it was Mm -hmm. a decision that was made, please, us as a family and not anybody else. And I'd put off so many other things before then. Like Deb says, you know, to keep people happy, to to make sure I wasn't hurting anybody. Mm -hmm. And 
then you know you kind of you do set yourself boundaries and then all of a sudden like for whatever reason they slip and you've got to kind of build yourself up to doing it over and over again right yeah it's hard to be consistent i think when you're a people pleaser it's hard to consistently not fall into that yeah so when you made that decision to emigrate with your husband and your children did you feel guilty that some people were not agreeing with that or that you were hurting your parents or yes is it yeah Mm -hmm. it's like a guilt that you're feeling right yeah because you know and it was something that you know it's not a decision you take lightly and we'd had lots of discussions and you know right from the get-go right from us meeting we knew that we weren't going to always stay in the UK which was good because it had given us the opportunity to have conversations to kind of sow the seeds and sort of say you know this is gonna happen at some stage but when it came down to it actually saying it I was like oh god I don't want to do this I don't want to hurt anybody I don't want to see anyone's hurt unfortunately my parents reaction was we don't want you to go but we understand why you're going but that guilt still comes back Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I guess because becoming a people pleaser happens at a young age, usually, we're almost set up for it. We're set up for failure because, number one, maybe it's because, you know, we are girls. Mm -hmm. I think the majority of people pleasers are girls, although I think that's probably changed over over the last while. But I do remember vividly my first realization on the fact that Deb is a people pleaser and I'm not. Although, of course, that there wasn't the name people pleaser then. But I remember vividly when I was around five or six, Deb was a lot younger and we were sitting in a neighbor. Well, she was sitting in a neighbor's kitchen and I was flapping around doing my thing, whatever I do <laughs> to get into trouble. And I don't know if you remember this, Deb, but her name was Mrs. Parfit. Mm-hmm. Deb was sitting there like she always did, so quiet, she didn't move. And I remember Mrs. Parfit turning to me and saying, Alicia, you need to be more like your sister. And I remember looking at Deb and thinking, oh, that's what you have to do for people to like you. And I mean, obviously it didn't stick because I didn't keep, I didn't sit still (laughs) for five minutes. Do you remember that, Deb? I don't remember that exact incident, but I remember family members, you know, would say, why can't you be more like your sister? Yeah. Yeah, to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I remember that that was said often, but I but I also remember <laughs> our yeah. dad, and, and he said this often to me, and he might have even said it like within the last 10 years or so, and he would always say, nice people finish last, and... I remember those words. And my dad is a very nice person himself. (laughs) He's one of those guys too. Mm -hmm. But he would always say that to me. Nice people finish last, Deb. Nice people finish last. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting when we were doing a bit of research on this, that line would come up in my head quite often. Mm -hmm. You know? It is funny what you remember, right? Mm -hmm. Certain things stick in your head. But it's the same thing, you know, sort of. Like, I remember, you know, I was always being held up to be an example. You know, oh, look at how mm-hmm. well, you know, Suzanne's sitting there. And, oh, Suzanne's such a good girl just sitting there reading her book. And it's like, God, that must have been really boring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it felt all right at the time. And it was only kind of looking back. It was like, 
yeah, you know, there were so many times in my life where I've done things that I didn't really want to do. Yes. But because I didn't want to rock the boat. And it was always in my head, I would always have a valid reason for doing that. And it was never not to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. It was always, if I do this, then I can do this and I can do this and I can do this, which makes, you know, at the time made me sound like the most amazing planet ever yeah no it was all about doing the right thing or for other people it was never necessary not never but I think probably like Deb was saying before there are a lot of decisions that I made that were not the right decision for me mm-hmm. but I made them so that nobody got hurt yeah yeah like my first marriage <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. yeah yeah it's interesting because when I, when I was reading about this it says you know people pleasers attract narcissists and I'm like yes. oh my gosh if I'd only known that sooner you know yeah yeah but. I know I, I did read a lot about that and they did say people pleasers often get taken advantage mm-hmm. of and manipulated by you know narcissists and energy vampires and bullies yes yeah welcome to my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah it yeah. just molds your personality in it Mm-hmm. It molds so much about you when you become this age. Like yeah. everything about a people pleaser, I know where it stemmed from, that I'm 100% a people pleaser and why I make the decisions I have made. 100%. Yeah. So what? how do you think you're getting over it, Deb? I mean, because like, it can't just be reaching middle age. And like I know you said you're divorced as well. Yeah. But... There has to be something, isn't there? I think that I've, I've, for myself, I think over the last, you know, five years or so, I think I've just done a lot of deep-seated self-evaluation almost. And I always looked for other people for my happiness. Like, I never looked into myself and I'm responsible for my happiness. I mm-hmm. always thought it came from somebody, somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that I had to learn to be more assertive and... And just cut off certain um, boundaries with people, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. and I'm also somebody that really um, I suppress my emotions. Like I've done that all my life. Yeah. And you know I have things. I still have things that I probably should deal with, and I deal with them, you know, little by little. But I have a lot of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. stuff down there. Yeah. It's funny, the assertiveness thing, because I've been sent for assertiveness training. Like, literally, I have been sent for assertiveness training. <laughs> three or four times. And like, I sit there and I'm like, yeah, I don't know how I could do that. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, like, I've actually had managers say to me, I, I think we need to send you on some assertiveness training. It's like, and I think, like, being a people pleaser is one of the reasons I went into nursing. Yeah. It's interesting what you're saying, Deb, because I think it is those baby steps mm-hmm. that you take. And a lot of, like, I know when I was doing my interviews, that was what a lot of folks said. Like, cause we didn't discuss people pleasing, but thinking about it now, there probably was a lot of people pleasing going on. And yeah. it was all the, the same idea of being able to just sort of say, fuck it. Yeah. And I think, like, with when Alicia's book and with Alicia's work that she's done, that also kind of, that came into play the same time I had a lot going on in my life. Mm-hmm. And that, I must say, really helped me. 
because I was able to identify the setup she had in her book and how to deal with it. And it's really, it's done amazing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, the tea system, I have no problem understanding it. I, and I've just been calmer. And I think it all just came into, it all seemed to come together at one time for me. And, mm-hmm. and I feel much more relaxed and much more confident and, you know, self-worth and mm-hmm. well the timing was right it was it? yeah when this was all happening and you were my guinea pig and you were such a good guinea pig like, <laughs> oh my god I couldn't have asked for a better research subject because it just all made sense and because we were learning it at the same time yeah. it kind of solidified it for mm-hmm. us I think yeah it, it really did you know talking about how we are responsible for our own happiness and we can't look outside of ourselves for it. Yeah. To me, what's really interesting is where it does originate from. What I was reading, and, and you can probably say more about it, but most of the time it originates from being a young child and a lack of that parental attunement. And it can lead people to wanting to please their parents for attention and maybe struggling to find an emotional connection in a consistent way and a lot of people pleasers become tuned into their parents and the people around them they they're tuned into their moods so that they do whatever they can not to rock the boat and although social pressures can also be responsible for someone becoming a people pleaser because they try to fit in. But I thought that was really interesting because I do know a lot of people that really fit into that category where they their childhoods were really not the best and how it's kind of formed them into these people pleasers because they do want to please other people. They don't want to rock the boat and they want to find this emotional attachment with other people. And I was wondering what you guys thought of that. Like, does that make sense? hundred percent for me. Like mine was based, you know, on my childhood. I'm a classic. <laughs> you, I, you are. Yeah, I'm a classic. And, um, yeah, you're a textbook case. hundred <laughs> percent, yeah. See, it's weird because that, that wasn't my childhood. Mm-hmm. Like my brother and I are very close in age and we've always been very close. My mum was very sick when she was expecting my sister and spent a lot of the time on bed rest and was in hospital for for quite a time like prior to the delivery and afterwards so I don't know whether perhaps that that is where it started for me Mm -hmm. the fact that like literally like my brother's what 19 months younger than me and so it was my job to look after him And so I would sit there, we stayed with some family friends and apparently I just used to sit there and like everyone would be eating dinner and I'd just be holding his hand. Oh. And yeah, yeah, I was very cute like that. Oh, I didn't have a big sister like that. It's one of those things, I was just always my brother's protector. And like, I think that's probably where it started. You know, I remember being 18, we were away actually, my brother and I at the same time. And, you know, I was getting really panicked because I hadn't seen him for a couple of hours. And I'm like, where's Dave? Dave, where, where is he? Where is he? And like someone actually said to me, how old are you? And I'm like, I'm 18. 
oh, how old's Dave? And I'm like, he's 17. It's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I, I just need to know where he is. Why? Because I've always looked after him. And what makes you think there's a problem? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was just yeah. like, I needed to be told literally that I needed to let go of my brother. And I, so yeah, there you go. Therapy done. <laughs> there, there you go. See, you, you yeah. just felt responsible for yeah, him. Always. And like in school, if he was in the playground having a fight, then, you know, they would come and get me and everything. Not that he had many fights, but you know, yeah. like if he fell over and hurt his knee, then, you know, they would come and get me before they went and got a playground supervisor and things like that. So yeah, I, I guess that's where it started for me was that being responsible and being more responsible than I needed to be. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You almost took the, the role as a parental figure for your brother, even though that wasn't put on you, mm-hmm. you almost felt the need to do that. Yeah. I could have used you, Sue. <laughs> Dad! <laughs> I'm available. I can be read today. <laughs> We'll get I'd together post-COVID it. and I'll hold your hand under the table. <laughs> oh, dear. There we go. Yes, she has made up for it. It was a rough childhood, but <laughs> <laughs> we made it through. We well, did. and that's we it. Did. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we do get through it. And, yeah. you know, I think it's actually really helpful that we're talking about this and we're laughing about this because... yeah. yeah you know it it is a pattern of behavior and it can be stopped it can be broken and Mm -hmm. you know like we've both said it just takes a lot of work (laughs) a lot of work yeah do you think that it depends then on who you choose as your partner on whether that people pleasing part of you gets worse yeah oh yes yeah you know, thinking about you, Deb, mm-hmm. and, and I'm just thinking you married young mm-hmm. and the person you married just fed into that people pleasing part of you. Yeah. It almost became worse and worse over time, do you think? Oh, it definitely did. Yeah. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have been in that marriage for as long as I was if I wasn't a people pleaser. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering if people do hang on to relationships for way too long when they should have walked away a lot sooner yeah. because of the people. Play- oh, we could get really deep. Yeah, no. This is another podcast all on its own. <laughs> it's, it's weird, though, because I was very um, like I never really. Well, I say I didn't want to be in a relationship. I did want to be in a relationship, but I wanted to live my own life while having the relationship <laughs> so, yeah yeah you know I think because I saw quite a lot of my friends actually settling down very early and some of them not always being in the best relationships like some of them were in phenomenal relationships and some of them really were not great mm-hmm. and I kind of didn't know how to get that mix and I think as a result when I sort of like when I met Manny like if you ever wanted somebody that isn't a people pleaser it, it would be Manny he's like mm-hmm. complete opposite of me and I think that's been really useful because over the years he has sort of said yeah you don't need to do that we're not doing that why would yeah. you do that <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's helpful 
for you, it, it was a good thing because he set your boundaries for you in a way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which or helped in a you way, set them. you know, is almost as bad. <laughs> so the, there are things where he would realize that, you know, like she's not going to do it on her own. So he perhaps did step in. And over time, sort of having somebody that I was secure with and understanding that, you know, they loved me just for me and not what. I was doing to you know please them like cooking a meal every night wasn't the way to win his heart and to keep him it was you know it enabled me to kind of build the skills that I needed to in putting in boundaries yeah yeah and he's usually very quick to tell me when I when I need to build the boundaries better mm-hmm. yeah but you know in some ways though with your relationship he is helping you set boundaries, whereas in other people, Deb, I'm talking about you, mm-hmm. your partner at the time took advantage of the fact that you were a people pleaser. And I think that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, fed into it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, you know, part of the reason as well why, you know, I went through such a bad time being bullied at work was because, you know, again, typical narcissist you know, was able to see, you know, my weaknesses, not very assertive, liked to get things right, liked to do the right thing, liked to keep everybody happy. So, you know, why wouldn't you jump right on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, that's what they look for, right? Is somebody that's not going to rock the boat. I mean, bullies are are normally very damaged people Mm -hmm. to begin with. So, you know, if you can't process your own emotions you're going to take it out on somebody else and who better than someone that's not going to rock the boat Mm -hmm. yeah so you know it it makes you a target in some ways but have you processed a lot of that now or yes and it did get to the stage actually because the the same therapist that told me that I was a people pleaser did encourage me to start rocking the boat and Mm -hmm. when I started to rock the boat things improved for a while and then as my confidence grew, I was slapped down further and things kind of circled around. You know, whatever I did to build up my confidence would get immediately slapped down. So, yeah, I kind of went through a lot of therapy, a lot of talking and just trying to figure out what boundaries I needed to put in place. But ultimately, the only thing I could do to escape from that was to leave. Mm-hmm. Right. I still say yes to a lot of things, but now it's because I'm enthusiastic about them and I want to do them and I know that I can do them rather than saying yes to try and keep that bullying at bay, try and keep the the bitch from the door. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and quite often bullies are in positions of power, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's the dangerous part is... What do you do when that person is in power and you can't get the help that you need? And, you know, a lot of times they'll say, well, go to HR. And, you know, if we're perfectly honest, a lot of times it doesn't work and you do end up leaving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the same thing with even in a marriage, you know, sometimes you do actually have to leave Mm -hmm. that marriage because nothing improves. And the more that you try and build up your self-confidence or self-worth, that's when you get crushed down further, I think, Mm -hmm. because then it's a threat to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
very interesting subject, mm-hmm. to be honest. It is. And I still cannot remember why I thought it was a good idea. But <laughs> the, like there was something and I was like, we should talk about people pleasing because this is and I don't know whether it was something I saw on Twitter or Facebook or or how I was feeling at the time, but I was like, no, we, we should talk about this because I think it could help other people. And it's not saying, you know, go out and label yourself a people pleaser and do something about it. It's just sometimes just acknowledging it to yourself. You mm-hmm. can start taking those baby steps. You don't need to have a crap load of therapy to, <laughs> to get through it. And I do think any time that we take a deeper look at ourselves and have some self-reflection, I, I do think we learn more about ourselves every single time we do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that can't be bad, right? Mm-hmm. No, that's you know? right. Yeah. I think it it makes us be vulnerable and sometimes, or at least in the past, it's a scary kind of path to go down. But mm-hmm. really, if we're talking about it, other people are talking about yeah. it, you know? You know, I don't know about you, Deb, but I found it to be such a relief to start saying to people, no, I don't really want to do that. (laughs) Yes. Saying no, it's just, it's got a whole new meaning. Yeah. And learning Mm -hmm. that no is a whole sentence. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. previously I would say no because of this, because of that, because of the other. And then, you know, they would find a loophole and I'd find myself doing it. That's right. It's just like, no. Yeah. Well, it must be. And, it, and you know, to be honest, when I looked at those 10 signs of a people pleaser and none of them really fit me and I thought, well, what's the opposite of a people pleaser? Does that mean I'm a narcissist? <laughs> and then I'm thinking, yes. oh, my God, I'm a narcissist. But then I realized that there's a big middle mm-hmm. between being a people yeah. pleaser and a narcissist. Mm-hmm. It just means you're able to, to put in place and manage boundaries. Oh, I've got boundaries skills. like you wouldn't believe. I yeah, I'm really good with boundaries. So we always joke that um, Alyssa's always been in this bubble. Yeah, <laughs> she's worked in this bubble, and so there you go. There's her boundaries. Yes, that is true. Yeah, I, I've always been very good at that. <laughs> if people pleasing can turn into a problem for many people. Mm-hmm. So how do you stop that? Or how do you move forward and get through it? And I think we don't ever learn is to stop feeling responsible for other people's emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very difficult thing to understand because, you know, even as kids, we're always told not to say things because it'll hurt Mm -hmm. someone's feelings or, you know, go and do this and they'll be happy. And The concept of not being responsible for how other people feel is something we're never taught. And once we learn it, it's really liberating. Mm -hmm. And Deb, I think when you said that we were going through this process together, I think that's one of the things that you learned that I think really helped you. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's interesting, sort of, (laughs) as an ex-nurse, if I wanted somebody to get up and walk... I would say, come on, get up and have a walk for me. They weren't having a walk for me, but it encouraged them to to get out of bed and do it because they didn't want to let me down or to make me mad. And it's like, again, it comes down to the language that we use to to encourage people. Like we see that as an encouragement thing. But if you've got a people pleaser on your hands, and I can guarantee I must have had many of them over the 
years. Yeah. It, it's yeah. just making them feel bad, like making them feel even worse about things. Yeah. So I'm sorry to all my ex-patients that I said do things for me. <laughs> I didn't mean do it for me. I meant do it for you. Sorry. <laughs> It is really interesting, the language that we do use, you know, as children and as parents. Mm -hmm. It's, um, you know, don't do something because you'll hurt their feelings. Yeah. I mean, how many times were we ever told yeah. that? So teach people how to treat you. It's pretty simple that if you don't allow people to treat you a certain way, then they then they won't. But that's actually difficult as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you allow a lot of bad behavior as a people pleaser. Because, again, you don't want to rock the boat. You want to keep those waters as still as possible so that there's no conflict. And the funny thing is, is that you would tell a friend not to put up with something, but yet you put up with it yourself mm -hmm. a lot yes. of times. Yes. Very good at do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. <laughs> Set healthy boundaries, mm -hmm. which is kind of like the second one. You know, don't accept bad behavior from anyone. Be assertive. Oh, Sue, sorry, you got to work on that. Yeah. Um, is there a course I can take? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think when you take ownership of your own emotions yeah. and if something bothers you to voice your concerns and understanding that what you think and what you feel matter, mm -hmm. that's when you kind of start to turn the corner, I think. But it is something that is takes a lot of practice and it, it's something that you have to learn because we're not, like we've said so many times, all of these things that we talk about were never taught when we were kids. Mm -hmm. No. Do you think that you can completely change your ways? Now, Deb, I'm asking you because you've come a long way. Like, do you think one day you can say I'm no longer a people pleaser? Quite possibly. I see myself, I look back to who I was and I think, gosh, like I let that happen or, you know, things like that. And I don't know that person back there anymore yeah. fast forward maybe 10 years and maybe maybe so but but I know I'm my boundaries now you know they're not they're nowhere near perfect but they are far better than they were but like going back to your partner Jason is has changed and helped me along the way phenomenally yeah. he's made a big difference in my life and you know he he's made me see myself worth and so and we've been married what seven years this summer so it's still you know not that long like I say fast forward 10 years who knows what could happen <laughs> yeah yeah but see, I, I think of you as a completely different person because yeah. I see the boundaries that you now put on mm -hmm. and you can say no yeah whereas before you wouldn't dare say no and you would do anything not to rock the boat. But so those 10 signs, like I do see that they don't pertain to you anymore. Mm -hmm. So I would say that you've kind of moved from that people pleaser position into the more of a healthy zone. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think I was people pleasing even with my kids as they were growing up and becoming young adults. I was even a people pleaser to them. Mm -hmm. When I look back, I realized, well, I still realize I, I was a very damaged person, like from the very, you know, very early years and working your way out of that, you know, it's just, you, a person can do it. And like you said, suicide can be easily changed, but yeah, where I was then and where I am now is completely different mm -hmm. stage of life. Yeah. 
And I think, you know, for me, I it's always going to be there because mm-hmm. I have to work at it. Like it's it's not easy for me still to say no to things like so I will sometimes take a pause and say, I need a little bit of time to think about that <laughs> just mm-hmm. to give myself that breathing space because if somebody continues to push me, I will acquiesce and say, Yes, of course I'll do that. So I've got better at realising that I need time, like, and sometimes I don't need time to think it over. I just mm-hmm. need to give myself breathing space to kind of gather myself to say, no, I do not want to do that. And sometimes I still feel really guilty about saying I won't do things. Mm-hmm. I don't always. I mean, there's a lot of things where I'm just like, no, and we're good. But a lot of times I will kind of start overthinking things and worry about it and yeah it, it's an ongoing process mm-hmm. or at least it is for me I don't I don't think I'm ever gonna be fully <laughs> <laughs> out of people pleasing mode but I think even when you know about it it's at least sets you on the right road so that you can do something about it because I'm wondering how many people out there don't actually realize that people pleasing is a problem mm-hmm And maybe it's not always a problem. Well, yeah, I think it's like everything. You know, there are different degrees to it. And, you know, sometimes you may sort of be people pleasing because that is what is needed in the moment. And it's, I suppose, kind of important to be clear about that. There is a time to to be doing some people pleasing things. And then there's a time not to be. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be doing things for other people you don't have to be saying yes to other people you don't have to be letting people put things on you a hundred percent of the time you are entitled to do things for yourself it's not selfish and it's very respectful of yourself and of the other person to to kind of be able to say no and that's kind of difficult and I do think it all starts with You know, like when you said, Sue, now instead of saying yes right away, then you say, what can I get back to you? Or Mm -hmm. you need some breathing space. That in itself is putting a boundary Mm -hmm. in place. Yeah. 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 And you know what? Now's a really good time to be able to practice those things because we have boundaries that are put in place. So it's a really good time to be able to say, yeah, I, I can't do that meeting now because I've got something I need to do first, but I will get back to you shortly. So it's kind of, you know, take the positives. (laughs) Yes. And I guess what I'm saying, too, is that those 10 signs about whether you're a people pleaser, I think we all want to please people in our own ways. You know, we're not, Mm -hmm. you know, we all want people to be happy. And but it's it's going against your values when it becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. So that's all for this week's therapy session. Thank you for listening. Remember to stay the course, stay home, stay safe, stay healthy. And for this week, I'll add stay sane. (laughs) So until next time, bye for now. Bye. Bye. Oh, did you all say bye? (laughs) (laughs) See the people, please, just working together. Before you go, we legally have to tell you that all the opinions and information we share on this podcast is based on our own personal experiences and should never be taken as professional advice. We may sometimes sound like we know what we're talking about, but the Tame and Crazy podcast is for entertainment purposes only, so please consult with a qualified professional for any and all health advice. Thanks for listening. Bye.